0: Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Look at those clouds. Huge yeah. clouds of tear gas. They they will sometimes do
1: this to the main trade union cortege, but their heavy arms, like wasn't currently being used, is mostly for the kind of Chilean black bloc types. The less uh, less regimented, uh, I guess, more militant tactically types.
0: You can hear the explosions ricocheting around this uh, the whole square where we are. We're in the Place de la Nation. You can see flares being thrown in the air, uh, tear
1: gas everywhere, grenades. <coughs> <coughs> Since
0: 1889, when the Second International declared it the day of an annual international demonstration, May Day Has been the central celebration of the workers' movement. The day itself was chosen to commemorate the bloody Haymarket Affair in 1886 in Chicago and linked to the demand for an eight-hour day. The duration of work, international coordination and brutal violence. All these themes have returned this year, perhaps nowhere more so than in Paris. And that's not just because, as has been so often noted, the French simply love a riot but also because since late 2022, the most dynamic movement in a generation has taken hold of France. On the left in the UK, we look across the English Channel with envy. The French movements seem unbelievably dynamic, and what's more, defending to the hilt significantly better terms and conditions. But as I've already fallen afoul of myself, our accounts of the movements in France, whether Yellow Vest or Far Right or Communist, is too often culturalist, we attribute the drama and intensity of these movements to some unreproducible Gallic petulance. This is demobilising. So for May Day I went to Paris to survey the current struggle at a recent high point and to find out what it's all about. Who are the Yellow Vests and what has been their influence over the movement? What does the struggle over pension reform have to do with students? But how has the wave of undeniable police violence united the movement and expressed the moment's epochal stakes? And why has one of the focuses of that violence been environmentalists campaigning against the construction of new reservoirs? My name is Richard Haymes, and along with Olly Haynes, who you just heard speaking to me in the intro, I wanted to find out what connections are being made between fights. In one of the main squares of Paris, amidst the floats and banners, I spoke to Laurent Mauvais, A member of CGT, France's largest trade union, and one of its most militant.
2: Bonjour. Laurent
0: Mervaille. I work for EDF in a nuclear plant, and I am
1: a trade unionist. What we are demanding of the government is the withdrawal of the reform. We are simultaneously against the 64 year retirement age and also the cancellation of our special agreement because we have a special agreement in the energy sector.
0: As Laurent says, The main reform that workers are struggling against is the raising of the minimum retirement age from 62 to 64. But there are also more specific struggles around special arrangements for workers with arduous jobs. These reforms have been brought in by Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, and have met some extremely serious resistance. A series of massive demonstrations and strikes, some official, Others, called Les Manifs Sauvages, or wild demonstrations, less so. These have been accompanied by road blockades and a bin collection strike which saw 10,000 tonnes of waste left on the streets of Paris. As we'll hear much later, there have also been plans for 100 days of anger. Now, the pension reforms have, with high political drama, been passed. But beneath the spectacular surface of strikes and burning bins, is a much more intricate story of late industrialization and unique union laws and the influence, this time around, of the yellow vest movement. The song you're hearing here, "On La, which translates to "Here we are," was once a rallying cry of the yellow vests now adopted more widely by the rest of the movement. The rest of the words go, here we are, here we are, even if Macron does not want it, here we are, for the honour of the workers, for a better world, even if Macron does not want it, here we are. The Yellow Vests are a movement that originated in 2018, initially against fuel tax, but sprawling out into demands for higher wages and political reform. They were treated with suspicion by the left and in turn were, for the most part, suspicious of the left's traditional institutions. On May Day, we spoke to Jerome Rodriguez, one of the charismatic figureheads of the movement. He became a figurehead when he was shot in the eye by the police on an early yellow vest demonstration. For a while, he wore an eye patch, and now sports an enormous beard that makes him easily stand out on the crowded streets of the Boulevard Voltaire. We asked him who he was and what was the meaning of the struggle. Today,
3: the original struggle, if you like, is not about the pension reforms, but it's really a catalyst. Today, we have a problem in France with democracy. That is to say that the tools of democracy are put into the service of power and they must instead be put into the service of the people. We have no democratic tools that allow us to be heard outside of elections, which only really serve to legitimize politicians who have nothing to say regarding our demands.
0: I asked Jérôme about the mistrust of unions that has often been seen among the yellow vests. It's
3: not a problem with unions, if you like. Right now, it's a problem with methodology. In the protests at the moment, what happens is they no longer function as a way to make our voices heard. You see, it doesn't work. So perhaps we have to revisit the methodology of the union struggle to perhaps be better heard, or even heard at all. At the moment, the trade unions are signed up to the institutional arrangement that is part of the system.
0: So here Jerome actually says that it's the yellow vests that are part of the current system. But that doesn't really make any sense. So we've assumed that he misspoke and meant that it was the unions who are implicated in the current arrangement.
3: All of our representatives right now are the union elites or governmental or political elites who want to manage us. We have nothing against the trade unionists at the base with whom we discuss and perform yellow vest actions. The difference though is that our line is to go beyond today's elites, you know?
0: Here we had to stop for perhaps the third time in our brief interview with Jerome, so that passers-by could come up and hug and kiss and take selfies with him. Does Jerome feel like the yellow vests wield as much influence over the movement? as he undoubtedly does over there.
3: In France, we use the verb yellow vestify. The yellow vestification of actions is to say that today there is a methodology which was first used by the yellow vest which many people are now applying.
0: This yellow vestification seems to mean that protest is no longer confined to its traditional forms.
3: When the evening comes, bit by bit, the youths take over the streets and make sure everyone can hear them. From that, we can adapt a new methodology to make ourselves heard.
0: This yellow vestification is one of the main ways in which the struggle has changed. Writing in the New Left Review's Sidecar back in March, Frédéric Laudon said, But now, in the space of two months, everything has changed. The forms of struggle diversify and complement each other. We can no longer separate the Thursday protests – massive, but in vain – from the undeclared protests that keep the police on the run until the end of the night. The substance of class struggle is flowing into the mould of the Yellow Vests. It is an unprecedented combination, so long awaited, this time astounding. If the tactics of the Yellow Vests have been one of the main forms of glue that have stuck the movement together, there have also been attempts from the left to link up the struggles. Midway through a flash storm, we ducked into a cafe to talk to Christian, a young, fast-talking union militant, a member of the Network for Generalising the Strike. He said they'd been linking up with feminist groups, anti-racist groups, intellectual groups, ecologists and so on, in what he described as a struggle not only against the pension reform, but against Macron and his world. I asked him, what was the idea behind generalising the strike, when it seemed that the power of the struggle lay mostly in specific sectors of the economy?
4: We already have many of the most strategic sectors in the network. For example, we have refinery workers and energy workers, for example, but also sectors that are a bit less strategic, like mine. I work in food processing and that is why we have to make sure the strike generalises because it doesn't have the same impact to simply have the strategic sectors isolated. We saw with the refinery workers for example, the police go to their houses to try and force them back to work, so we can't leave them isolated in the face of that. But also we must generalise it to overturn the system, and that won't happen only with the strategic sectors, it must be done with the full force of the proletariat and even beyond to those who join us in the
0: street. If you win this struggle, what's then?
4: If we are able to beat back this reform, then we want more than what we already have. So not retirement at 62 like we have today. We want retirement at 60 and 55 for those in punishing jobs. But we also want wage rises. We demand a pay rise for everyone. And our demands also include, for example, overturning the immigration law that the government is currently putting in place, as well as demands against the project of slum clearances in Mayotte. All of these projects are colonialist. You've got to have big ambitions for a mass movement
0: French Union structure allows people to go out on strike individually. This leads to a situation in which the confidence of the movement is very important. What do you think of the confidence, the morale is like right now?
4: So we aren't going to be feeling super happy on the back of 13 strike days, are we? It's true that the movement is a bit exasperated but not with regards to determination. Everything, even the polls, show that everyone is against this reform. That 70% of the population are against it, 90% of working-age people, and that 60% want us to continue the strike, and nearly 50% want us to block the entire country again. What that shows is that the anger remains persistent, and with the network, we are trying to succeed at making proposals that would allow us to continue. The anger is already in the street for May, and will be for the next day of action too.
0: I asked Christian why the network structure was so controversial, with the moderate CFDT, as well as with the
4: anti-syndicale, which coordinates between unions. It's true that the CFDT and the union bureaucracies and the union leaders don't share our ideas. That is to say that as striking workers we want to ask why, that with 13 strike days, why didn't we do them consecutively instead of one, then a gap, then another? When my boss, for example, finds out the strike is on such or such day, he tries to organise so that it has the minimal possible impact. But if we were on strike for a week or two, my boss wouldn't be able to organise to kill it. That would be a real impact. The ante
0: syndical, he said, which contains all the major unions, was functioning as a break on the radicalism of the movement. By contrast, Christian's own group,
4: the Network for Generalising the Strike, was trying to link up workers at the base and then to allow the radicalism of the base to get out and explode beyond simple strike days.
0: All this might seem a daunting task for a network, but Christian seemed
4: optimistic. The network is huge, with hundreds and hundreds of unionized workers in different sectors. I'm from the east of France, and we gathered to go to the refinery in Normandy. That's impressive. And today an industrial baker like me can open channels to discuss strategy with the oil workers from Normandy. That's what the network permits. raffinerie de la Normandie. Et ça aujourd'hui c'est grâce au réseau de la grève que ça le permet. Résistance! Encore une fois! Résistance! Encore une fois! Résistance! Fais du
3: bruit Paris!
0: The Entre that Christian mentioned is a way of coordinating between the different French unions. Perhaps because France industrialised much later than England, there's no equivalent of the TUC in France, the Trade Union Congress, which forms a sort of weak centre of the British trade union movement. Instead, there's a collection of small confederations of unions with a range of views. The more militant CGT, the moderate CFDT, the broad FO, and a couple of others, mostly representing narrower interests. Rather than have a single or couple of unions for an occupational sector, many workers are able to affiliate to any of the above, which carry forward their interests. French union structure is also very different to that in the UK. While only 11% of employees are in unions, 98% of workers are covered by collective bargaining agreements and the right to strike is constitutionally protected. When one worker goes out, I was told, the rest tend to follow, union member or not. It has generally been the case that the CFDT has taken a more moderate position, and ultimately, if you ask the more radical unions, sold out the movement. What's striking this time is that that hasn't happened. Perhaps not only an indication of the changing politics of unions, but of the strength of feeling in the country as a whole, and the power of movement that includes not only workers, but students as well. I spoke to Ephraim, a student and the vice president of Lycien Voice. I wanted to find out how the struggle over the end of a life of work, in retirement, was being reflected in a struggle over its beginning in education. So
5: at the moment, there is a diversity of struggles. You must know that there are the pension reforms which have shaken and activated the social movement. But we, the youth, have also mobilized in the street for a long time, since the 19th of January. You're asked to choose your future at the age of 15. The time comes, you make the choice, and then there are no longer any places in higher education. That's why we have mobilised since the beginning of the Lycienne Voice, which was the first 6 form union in France. It allows us to make demands. That is to say, an egalitarian curriculum an exam system accessible to everyone and which grants access to higher education.
0: Although both were present on May Day, it seemed to me that the two struggles were quite different. Ephraim wasn't so convinced.
5: The pension reform impacts us for two reasons. It impacts us young people because the pension reform will raise unemployment. Youth unemployment in France is 18% and young people are the hardest hit by unemployment. So firstly, we are actually affected by the reform. And secondarily, we are here in solidarity with our parents and our grandparents who have experienced their pensions falling and who are going to see us work longer despite
0: harsh conditions. I was interested in the phrase I'd heard earlier, about this struggle being against Macron and his world. What kind of world was the government's education policy conjuring?
5: The only word to describe the government's attitude to education is contempt. We see that in the reform of the grants, which gives us 37 euros more per month. We ask for bread and they give us crumbs. We want to shift the balance of force. That will be done by blockades and by protesting, because right now, France's democratic institutions are sick.
3: In France sont malades.
5: Schools in Paris are on holiday right now, but once they return, we are going to activate a huge blockus movement, a general blockade of high schools that can truly make the government move.:
0: To find out more about this blockus tactic, we spoke to Lena, a student organizer.
6: The blockers tactic takes place in two different ways, Uh, one is in the universities directly, uh, which means that the students go and block the university, like the entrances, but there is also uh, other types of blockings um, that are more uh, economic. There are many students that have been taking part uh, in, for example, blocking uh, highways, also blocking uh, train rails in order to show uh, solidarity with workers, but also show that we as students can also have some power uh, and participate uh, in the movement.
0: In a 2013 article called Logistics, Council logistics and the Communist Prospect in the journal Endnotes, Jasper Burns argued that the blockade would become as fundamental a tactic to the movement as the strike had been. These blockades would become not just symbolic sites of opposition to capitalism, but actual interruptions to its continuous flow, and made from the very stuff of the city itself,
6: Blocking, uh, in France, uh, is usually done with uh, different objects we find uh, nearby the universities. Uh, It's usually like trash bins, uh, also different furniture we can find. We also uh, form a a kind of a picket line uh, in order to inform the students and we try to talk really politics in the university and try to bring uh, politics again because we think that politics. It's in decline in in French universities and well, this is something we try to fight against.
0: How do you see the kind of coordination between the struggles that you have in the university and the struggles about retirement when that seems so distant, so abstract, perhaps from your vantage point?
6: We try to talk to the students in order to make them understand that our work conditions are only going to get worse and sadly we don't see really a future uh, to hope for Um, and Hopefully, we can make people understand that it's all, uh, it's all the same system and we ought to organise, even if it doesn't directly concern us, because eventually it will.
0: When it came to coordination with lecturers, Lena said that some of the groundwork had already been done, although the lecturers were, perhaps understandably, less likely to take direct action than the students. But I also wanted to know about other workers at the university, Those most likely to be racialized and outsourced, like cleaners, porters and security
6: staff. With other workers uh, at the university, it is really hard um, because in most French universities, staff that uh, cleans uh, the buildings, etc. are people that are uh, outsourced. So it's really difficult because they really don't have much rights in order to strike. So it's something that we uh, have really a lot of difficulty with. We can clearly see that uh, the outsourced workers are generally people that come from immigration. And, well, today we also see that the government is uh, making different laws in order to regulate immigration and, uh, well, uh, the migrants. So that is also things we try to work on, but it's really difficult. (laughs)
0: As the struggle in France generalises to include students and the Yellow Vests, as well as the core of Unionists, the movement has been bound together by a common enemy, the police. Why might this be? One answer is that the government is in some ways right about the reforms. Within the context of the ways that capitalism values time and organises our lives from birth to death, the reforms are necessary populations are ageing. The proportion of working age populations is shrinking relative to ballooning numbers of retirees. These facts, common to all European countries, are what gives the struggle both its epochal mood and makes it internationally relevant. With little room to manoeuvre, Macron appeals to the police. It's also why the struggle has taken on the character for the French left of a struggle as it was recently articulated by communist leader Jean-Luc Mélenchon, over the meaning of life, and why the state, unable, or just unwilling, to offer much in the way of carrot, has responded with such an intense barrage of violence. That's not to say there's nothing that Macron could do differently. There are always the immediate questions of politics, but there is undoubtedly the sense that in this struggle, one of the defining questions of our era what to do about aging populations is being played out from action to action on streets across France. And you don't have to go far on those streets to hear Tout le monde déteste la police. Everyone hates the police. One of the most common chants on demonstrations nationwide and it's easy to see why. Whereas in Britain, where some limited attempt is still made at public relations, there was no such manoeuvre on May Day in Paris. There, lines of police stand behind shields at the corner of squares and pelt the crowds with tear gas. France's Human Rights League has accused the authorities of undermining the rights of citizens to protest by making disproportionate and dangerous use of public force. Like many parts of the current crisis, it's possible to trace these tactics back to the Yellow Vest movements, or even further, back through France's colonial past policing North Africa. In the Yellow Vest movement, only 3,000 of the 11,000 people arrested were ever convicted. France's Motorized Brigades for the Repression of Violent Action, or Brave M, are the most well-known innovations in policing tactics. Here, two officers ride around on a motorbike with one leaping off to give chase. In response, the protesters have innovated too. Group action tactics, in which protests happen at different points in the city simultaneously, are coordinated so as to tire out and confuse the riot police. Underlying the police's escalating aggression on the street has been a legal tightening of the screws. Laws prohibiting participation in crowds which trouble public order, the banning of kitchen utensils in response to protesters banging pots and pans, and the use of national security laws to crack down on gatherings. All this comes only a couple of years after the proposed global security law, which tried to make it an offence to film police in such a way as to make them identifiable. Arbitrary police arrest and detention has also been a major intimidation tactic. That's been the focus of a group called Stop Gav Arbitrary, Gav standing for garde-à-vous or police detention. We spoke to Etienne Lefebvre from the group about this burgeoning movement against intimidation. I asked him what had changed in the tactics of the police.
7: Um... Police tactics have been very repressive since the beginning of the Yellow Vest movement. But since the beginning of the movement against pension reform, we have ended up facing huge numbers of arrests that have been labelled preventative by the government, with hundreds of people at the evening protests finding themselves in custody, spending a day or more in prison before being released without any charge or follow-up.
0: I was interested to find out how Etienne had dealt with his own experience.
2: When
7: I was taken into custody... It was the evening of the announcement of the use of 49.3 the 18th of March.
0: 49.3 refers to the part of the French constitution utilised to push through the reforms.
7: Because I take photos of protests, I went. It was a wild protest, so there were people running about everywhere. I saw a group of protesters, so I went over. There was a police cordon that was blocking them from moving, but the police let me pass when I said that was part of the press. When they let us through, they shut the cordon again. And then 20 metres further down the street, there was another group of police blocking everyone in what we call a kettle. It's something that's illegal, but it's used because the law is badly written and basically also lets the police do what they want. So I was there with maybe 80 or 90 people in that kettle in the street, and the police decided to arrest everyone, so everyone in that street went to prison. Among the arrested were a boy, a tourist and people who had absolutely nothing to do with the protest. I spent 21 hours in custody.
0: Inside the prison, Etienne was shocked.
7: Conditions were dreadful. We were strip-searched, and there were five of us in five square meter cells, so we couldn't lie down and couldn't sleep because the light was always on, and it smelled really bad. We were seen by a police officer the next morning, who recognized that we had done nothing wrong. He said he was going to try and get us out early. But that didn't happen. We were released at seven in the evening, so we spent 21 hours in custody for no reason. That was the case for 100 people that evening, many who had it worse than us. It was very dehumanising and quite terrifying that we were just citizens just moving around the streets and ended up in prison. There were several people who hadn't even been there for the protests. It poses some pretty scary questions.
0: Etienne didn't strike me as someone politically committed to the idea that the police were malevolent, but as someone who had been genuinely shocked by his experience. When I asked him if the movement was police abolitionist, he said generally no. What did he think was the reason behind this tactic? which had clearly so deeply shaken him.
7: The main reason for the tactic is to discourage people. Because when you see on the TV they're saying today 200 people were arrested in Paris, it's extremely dissuasive. And I've actually spoken to people who have said I don't want to protest because they risk being arrested for doing nothing. That much is clear, but it's not the only reason. It's also for
0: record-keeping. When I was in custody, they took my fingerprints and my DNA.
7: Etienne's
0: story of arrest is far from unique and even people who are not eventually arrested, can end up very seriously injured. Towards the end of the May Day March, in the Place de la Nation, Ollie Haynes, who did much of the translation work on this episode, pointed out a particular French weapon to me.
1: Uh, so we're in Place de la Nation and there's uh, sort of lines of riot police uh, down different alleys and blocking off bits of roads. And um, they have their riot shields and batons, but they're also armed with a, a French weapon uh, that's I th- it's made in France and it's only used by a handful of police forces around the world, predominantly France, called the flashball, which is a sort of plastic tube that can either fire tear gas, I believe, or it fires a like, very hot rubber bullet that uh, does a lot of damage. So like Jerome, we spoke to, uh, who we spoke to earlier, he was blinded uh, by one of these during the Yellow
0: Vest process. They, they They do a huge amount of damage. Perhaps the place where the police clampdown has been most striking and the use of these weapons most flagrant is against the environmental movement. We spoke to Baptiste from Le Soulevement de la Terre, The Uprisings of the Earth, about their work and the repression they have faced, most recently in the government calls for this loose network to completely disband. Baptiste is a member of Solidaire, the Radical French Union, and also Bassine Non Merci, which is a group which struggles
2: for the water sharing and uh, against um, what we call megabassins, which are uh, big uh, um, water stocks, uh, mostly in the south middle of France, more or less. We are on the, on the top of, uh, of a big wet zone, which is uh, like a reservoir of biodiversity and, uh, and water for uh, all the continent. And those water stocks steal the water from the ground, from the, the, the common good for private property to uh, irrigate, so to, to put water in the fields of, of maize. And this maize is used to grow up um, animals or to create like methane. This is the, the frame of, uh, of this struggle uh, in which Solidaire is really involved uh, with bassin Non-Merci, within Basin non Mercy with a, farmer, a small farmers' union, which is called the Confédération Paysanne, and Les Soulevements de la Terre, which is a quite new uh, coalition or uh, movement uh, which is uh, under threat of dissolution from the
0: French government. So a movement of environmentalists and small French farmers, essential to both the French economy and lifestyle, opposed to the takeover of water resources by giant agribusiness and defending an area of extreme ecological importance. It sounds in some ways the perfect target for a brutal police clampdown. We'll get back to that demand for the movement to dissolve itself in a second. But first of all, I wanted to find out what had happened at the protest at Saint-Suline, which I had been told about repeatedly, and which Le Soulevement de la Terre, the organising network, had written about so eloquently and movingly on their website. Why had it been so transformative for the movement? Baptiste began by telling me about the landscape of the protest six kilometres out to the bassin and six kilometres back, a route walked by 30,000 protesters. Unlike in Paris, where Haussmann's famous redesign of the city can feel like it anticipates protest, much like the city was designed to allow for police charges, in open space in Western France, protests perhaps seem more unpredictable, as the responses of the police were that day. So what happened at saint sulin on the 25th of March? during one of these wild demonstrations. You should be aware that Baptiste's answer here contains graphic descriptions of police violence. So we expected uh, policemen, as it it was in October, uh, all
2: uh, all the way to the to the basin, but no one no one can t- came to us at l- until we just were uh, on the previous field before the basin, and then it was one kilometer away, and police arrived with squads with flashballs, uh, shooting like flashballs and also uh, tear gases and exploding grenades, just in front of us without saying anything, just and then bam bam bam. I was so in this in this, uh, in this uh, convoy of of the demo. We we, sp- we split in three convoys, and looking at them, it was incredible—like a big, uh, like a crab, you know, with big uh, his big ends. Uh, then the basin was encircled by the by uh, police trucks dropping tear gases and exploding grenades. It was just here with water cannons. At this moment, they, they just launched all everything they have in the the, the the two hours in which this demo stayed in front of the basin. Uh, Five thousand uh, grenade, exploding grenade, and tear gases have been thrown by the police. And the first, uh, the first ten minutes, it was three or four times this uh, frequency. I was three or four hundred meters, so it's quite far away
0: from the basin, and it was already exploding all over, all around. Baptiste told me that the reason he thought the police was so violent against the environmental movement that day was for two reasons. The first was to take revenge for the lenient sentences handed down by a court to protesters on a previous environmental action. If they couldn't get the long custodial sentences that the prosecution had demanded, it would be the police themselves who would carry out punishments upon the protesters' bodies. The second is that the environmental movement in France much like it arguably has in the UK, has become a sort of testing ground for new police tactics and the use of new legal instruments. These tactics seem designed to confuse, intimidate and overwhelm protesters. And what can I do here? You cannot shout because they are shooting. <laughs> it's exploding,
2: two explosion at 160 decibels uh, in, in a second. You cannot talk, you cannot be seen because uh, and at this moment a, a truck has been uh, fired so you you have this big amount of uh, black um, smoke this black smoke all this white smoke which is uh, thrown by the police uh, mixing with the flames people just fighting and then i i i've heard uh, just in my back uh, medic 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 which is street medics a call for street medics so i i turn back to say uh, okay where, where do i have to point to, to orient uh, the, the medics, and there were four directions. And at this moment, people just came from my, my back, carrying people, carrying wounded people. And I've seen like uh, half a drawer, you know, uh, the knot on the face. <laughs> I've seen uh, an eye disappeared.
0: What in particular had happened to a man called Serge, whose name I had seen emblazoned on graffiti around Paris on Mayday? The police you, uh, has,
2: has uh, shoot a, a tear gas grenade. It has to be shoot by 45 degrees, then explode on the top of, of the, the protestor and then fall down like,
0: uh, for, with gravity. But this requirement, that tear gas grenades be shot up in the air and left to fall naturally down to the floor, was not obeyed seemingly at saint Suline. Instead, Baptiste said, the most powerful form of grenade launcher, designed to shoot tear gas canisters a range of 200 metres, was shot practically directly
2: in the head of of Serge, who was uh, in a dist- at a distance of maybe less than 50 meters. He had a helmet, and this uh, just hit his head in a full speed, and it's quite heavy when he, before it explodes, which probably broke two um, two pieces of his neck. So he fell down. Uh, um, his friends uh, took him uh, out of the of the front line,
0: seriously injured. From this moment on. The clock for Serge was ticking, but the police wouldn't let the ambulance through to pick him up. And he waited
2: for I don't I'm not sure of the time, but maybe two hours and a half before having an ambulance. And I don't remember that maybe four I have to be corrected if I'm wrong, but maybe four or five hours before before reaching an hospital, uh, the police say it's too dangerous. Don't come along; it's too dangerous. You, you are not allowed to uh, to uh, to save this uh, this person. So he waited for a long, long time. He had he went in, at this moment. He was in in coma uh, in a de- quite serious degree of coma. I don't, I'm not a doctor, but uh, the the doctors say that said that in hospital,
0: Serge was placed into an artificial coma where he stayed until a few days before May Day. He opened his eyes, which doesn't mean that he went out of
2: coma. But it's a, it's better than staying in coma, in, the, in a deep coma. But uh, it's not a victory because even if he wake up,
0: we don't know if he will be able to talk again. Baptiste told me that Serge's parents, much like other people who'd been injured in the movement, were being cared for collectively.
2: There is a real solidarity for for all our wounded people because we are all afraid. We, n- we have never expected it, and uh, we will be a- we will have to be really smart uh, to be able to find ways to continue our fight without losing comrades. It was really close to lose uh, our search comrade and friend, and uh, <laughs> never again, <laughs> please.
0: I wanted to know how Baptiste saw the links between the struggle over the water and that over retirement. I'd heard the slogan no retirement on a burning planet. But Baptiste made it even more concrete for me.
2: When I will be retired, uh, there will be no war for a third of the of the population of South of France. So we cannot fight for 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 the pensions without thinking of the the, the, the our condition of living and where we are living. Some of the of us have considered that we are there is you know all this idea of one health on the wall, uh, on the whole planet, and I think for some of us uh, this has spread and uh, and we have integrated in a, in our mental software. We cannot fight for 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 pensions without taking in account uh, uh, the, the the earth, the non humans, uh, trees. Uh, we have to take this in, into account. Uh, if
0: not, we just are, we are just fighting in the in the void. And how is the network responding to the demand to dissolve? The network itself is a very loose association, comprised of groups like Solidaire,
2: the Confédération Paysanne, the farmer unions, uh, citizens, uh, -citizens. (laughs) non-citizens, even we can even think that uh, there are also non-humans, a part of it.
0: Because it's a loose network of environmental groups and not a formal association, the means the French government has at its disposal is to prohibit the group from meeting. In response, the groups that see themselves as comprising the network are reenacting something that seems a lot like a scene from Spartacus.
2: How can you do this uh, when there is a, uh, um, a call saying that uh, we are uh, the, the air surprising, we are, nous sommes les soulèvements de la terre, signed by 100,000 people? How can you say in France, how can you have any, enough police to enforce
0: any dissolution? Baptiste knows, of course, that the French state has various legal tricks up its sleeve, like prosecuting a small group of people for being the core of the movement. Still, he doesn't think that'll work. He thinks there could be hundreds of thousands of people in France willing to go to jail and to declare... I am the body of the Soulement.
2: Take me in jail if you don't want. But we are 100,000 people uh, ready to do this. So they are facing the people. And you cannot, uh, you, you cannot put in jail all the people... Because they know they need us to produce their fucking uh uh gdp uh, uh they 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 need us to without us their power is nothing
0: Having pushed through the reforms, Macron has given himself 100 days, until Bastille Day, to come up with some reforms as compensation for raising the pension age. The pay rise for teachers here as a sop to the left, and the toughening of migration law here for the right. This kind of response from Macron, in which he avoids the central question of the retirement age, but offers lots of other smaller reforms, is perhaps one consequence of the generalisation of the movement. As antagonism broadens to include almost all of society, the state can respond in a generalised way, offering piecemeal solutions and buying the movement off, part by part. The unions haven't been taken in, and in response to Macron's 100 days, they've promised 100 days of anger. Laurent Mervais, the CGT worker we spoke to at the very beginning, explains the strategy. So the 100 days of anger, that
1: is in the response to the 100 day action plan of the government. On our side of things in the energy sector, we have said that not a day of that plan will go by without a corresponding day of anger from us. The tactics will be focused much more on businesses, the mobilisations will be of a new magnitude, notably around the plans for power cuts and blockades of work sites, so we will be refocusing on business.
0: I'd heard about something called the Robin Hood tactics. The Robin Hood tactic
1: is to cut power to those at the top, like politicians, and retransmit to the poorest. We turn the current back on to those who have had their supply cut. The power cuts are targeted. The goal of the power cut isn't to cut off users, Mr and Mrs Average Joe, it is to cut off precisely targeted spaces. MPs, politicians, we do rugby in other stadiums to get in the media. The goal isn't to disturb the users, but to create a media spectacle.
0: And of course, the most important question of all. Are you going to win? On va gagner, bien sûr. Pourquoi on perdrait? Of course we're gonna win. How could we lose? The struggle in France continues, as does the proliferation of new tactics. In one particularly comic recent action, Militants built overnight cemented walls, directly in front of the offices of lawmakers who had approved the reform. A leaderboard of all the French departments currently displays the level of disruption across the country, daring each area to outdo its neighbours. Macron has retreated even further, into a sort of cage of steel formed by his police guard. When he visited Lyon, to talk to the mayor there, he had to be whisked away from protesters, and back to Paris before he could do so. On the commemoration of Victory in Europe Day, he drove, surrounded by a horse guard, up a crowdless Champs Elysees. So what was May Day like? George eugene Haussmann's famous redesign of Paris makes the city into a kind of stage. It can feel sometimes that both the A to B marches and the running battles with police are sort of designed into the city. They're expected and therefore, in some sense, neutralised. It remains to be seen whether the revivification of the movement that the yellow vests represent can break it out of this predictability. But the first glimmers are undoubtedly there. Or will the matter ultimately be settled at the ballot box? In 2010, Nicolas Sarkozy pushed through pension reforms that raised the age to 62 a move that studies have suggested drove voters both to the centre-left socialists and towards the far-right national rally. In the even more polarised political climate of today, who ultimately wins from this struggle is anyone's guess. But the newly revitalised French left, learning from its yellow-vest cousins, has perhaps not looked this dynamic in a generation. Thank you to James Crump, Moya Lothian McLean, Charles Ravens, Gary McQuiggan, and Stephen Methven for their voices on this episode, and special thanks to Ollie Haynes for sources and translation work. I'm Richard Haynes, this has been Navarro FM, thank you for listening.
6: Independent journalism and set up a regular donation to Navarra Media from just one pound a month. Head to Navara.media forward slash support.